Okay, Father, thank you for your word this morning. Thank you for the scriptures that change us from the inside out. Thank you that all the promises of God are yes and amen in Christ Jesus to those that believe. And thank you, Lord, that the kingdom of God is not a matter of talk, but a matter of power. In Jesus' name, amen. And that's my subject this morning, the kingdom of God. It's uh, taken from a passage in in 1 Corinthians 4.20, but before we do that, just the title, The Kingdom of God is a Matter of Power. Think about that for just a minute. The Kingdom of God is a Matter of Power. When we talk about the end times, and I'm, by the way, I'm hearing more and more people talk about the end times now. I don't know where you are on that. Uh, uh, when I first became a Christian as a teenager back in Wichita, Kansas, Probably one of the first few sermons I heard was about the end of all things, and, and uh, it, it changed me. It really did change me. Uh, when you stop and think, hey, I'm not going to get to get married. I'm not going to get to have a family. I'm not going to do all the stuff. You know, you, um, and most of the revivals that have happened, the message of the end times of the second coming of Christ seem to be at sort of the center of it as people begin to think about the return of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. But there are two passages that are very famous, actually, in the Scriptures about the end times, and it actually uses the phrase, uh, the end. One of them is in uh, Matthew 24, 14, and uh, this happens to be a mission verse. If you hang out around missionaries like Tammy, you will hear them quote this verse all the time. And it says this, and this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end shall come. What I would like you to notice this morning is something I've never noticed before and is changing me right as I speak to you. I hear this quoted all the time, and you know how I hear it quoted? This gospel will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. And they leave out the phrase, the gospel of the kingdom. The gospel of the kingdom. Am I, are we getting feedback when I speak? And I, so I'll try to move this away. Now, this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to the nations, and then the end will come. And then 1 Corinthians 15, 24 is another one that is one of my favorite passages as it relates to the end of all things. And it says... Um, then the end will come when he, Jesus, then the end will come when he, Jesus, hands over the kingdom to God the Father after he has destroyed all dominion, authority, and power. There it is again, talking about the end times, and it's talking about the kingdom. Is it any wonder that in the Lord's Prayer we were taught to pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven? Now, let's go to our actual text, 1 Corinthians 4.20, where it says, Paul is talking to the believers at Corinth, and he says, for the kingdom of God is not a matter of talk, but of power. Now, I could very easily get sidetracked on that because most of our church services are centered around talk, and, uh, and uh, I was reading, <laughs> see, here I go, I'm going to get off on the side, sidetracked, uh, I was reading Jim, is it Symbola or Symbola's book, uh, pastor of uh, Brooklyn Tabernacle in New York, and he starts talking about the cult of the special speaker, 
and that we've made sermons the center of our services when in the first century church that was never the case. Um, and really it's about the ministry of the kingdom to one another. Uh, I love the Bible so much. I love preaching, teaching, and, and so I'm not going to go there, but I want to review real quickly what we've talked about the last two weeks, and I'm going to try to hurry through this, so if I speak too fast, forgive me, but two weeks ago, we talked about um, the importance and the majesty of praising the Lord. Um, you remember we said in the Hebrew, the title for Psalms was the book of praises. We talked about the shortest chapter in the Bible, which was Psalm 117, only two verses. You can memorize a whole chapter of the Bible by memorizing Psalm 117. Now, I'll quote it in King James because that's how I learned it. Praise the Lord, all ye nations. Praise Him, all ye people. For His merciful kindness is great toward us, and the truth of the Lord endures forever. Praise the Lord. Three times it says, praise the Lord, but it uses three different Hebrew words. Each time it's a different word, and if you put it all together, he's basically saying, make a show, celebrate, be triumphant, be clamorously foolish, and especially be loud, be, all, be audible, shout, make a joyful noise to the Lord, like it says in Psalm 100. Now, we were reminded that whenever Israel, the nation of Israel, traveled, or when they went to war, they always went out with banners of the, three camp, the four camps that were around Israel. And the first tribe, the first banner that always went forward first was Judah's. And that's because the word Judah means what? Somebody tell me. It means praise. Yeah. So the, the camp, the standard, the banner that goes out first to battle. And we use the illustration, which you'll remember perhaps, of Jehoshaphat, King Jehoshaphat in Second Chronicles 20, where they defeated Moab and Ammon by doing nothing. The Lord said, this battle is not yours. Stand still and see the deliverance, see the salvation of God. And so all he did was he appointed singers and dancers and people to praise to go out in front of the army, and the enemies just got confused and started killing one another, and the battle was over. And it was because praise went out before them in battle. Psalm 22, verse 3 says, God inhabits the praise of his people. God is actually enthroned in some of the newer translations. God is enthroned in the praises of his people. So praise, you see, is the entry point to the presence of God. So in our world of Internet and apps, let me say this. Praise is the password. Praise is the password into the entrance of God's presence. It actually says, the prophet Isaiah, when he's talking about the glory of Zion, and he's referring to the city, he says, the walls are salvation and the gates are praise. So you remember David brought the ark in 2 Samuel 5 and 6. You remember the story, David in his kingly robes, ushering in the ark, and of course, it's unsteady, and Uzzah reaches out his hand, and he's slain. And David can't figure out why bringing the, the ark represented the presence of God. Why, how come bringing the ark in went down that way? It wasn't supposed to go down that way. He had this big celebration, this big triumph, and a big show, and all the people were out there watching. And then he realized that from the very beginning, God ordained that it is the priest that should bring in the presence of God. So he took off his kingly robes when they did it the second time. He took off his kingly robes. Bible says he became naked, but actually what he did is he put on the priest, he put on the undergarments of a priest, a tunic. 
And in front of the ark of God, it says he danced and he praised the Lord with all of his might. With all of his might. And the ark, the presence of God, was ushered into Jerusalem. And they achieved. Now, this is what Dwight Moody said, the great evangelist and pastor of the 19th century. He said this. He said, there is a great deal more in the Bible said about praise than about prayer. Yet when was the last time you were invited to a praise meeting? Derek Prince, the great British Bible expositor, born in India, died in Jerusalem, said, if you have only 10 minutes to give to the Lord, praise him for eight minutes and pray for two minutes. This call to praise, why it can be done quietly on the inside, anybody that has learned to praise the Lord audibly with their voice, loudly, with hands lifted, clapping, dancing, whatever, anybody that's learned to do that will tell you that there is a freedom and a liberty that comes that gives you access to the presence of God. There's a beautiful illustration in the Song of Songs, chapter 2 and verse 14. Uh, that's the allegory of Solomon and the Shulamite maiden, but also of the bridegroom Christ and his church and the love affair that they had for one another. And the beloved, the bridegroom, says to... Now, imagine a, imagine a love affair with your spouse. Imagine a love affair with your spouse where you could only see them, but you never could hear them. You could never hear them say, I love you. You could never hear them express compassion or care to you. And that's why the bridegroom says in Song of Songs, chapter 2, verse 14, he says to them, I want to see your face, but I want to hear your voice. I want to see your face, but I want to hear your voice. You see, if you have nothing else to give to the Lord, you can always give him your voice of praise. That's something you can always give him. And there's no special classes in that category. It says in the book of Revelation, when they gathered around the throne, it says, praise God, both small and great, great and small. It doesn't matter whether you're you're rich or whether you're poor, whether you're white or whether you're black. It doesn't matter whether you're male or whether you're female. There are no classes. The ground is level at the throne of God. Everybody is welcome to enter his presence with praise. And as we sang in the song that Allie and Mackenzie and John led this morning, the devil hates praise. He trembles. He trembles. Did I, I said something wrong, didn't I? Did I say, what did I say? I'm sorry. Lindsay, um, the devil hates it. He trembles. He trembles at praise. It ushers in the presence of God, which turns freedom, liberty, and light into the circumstances. Praise and God's presence welcome the kingdom of God and the power of God, forcefully advancing his agenda. Now, last week I spoke to you about child Michaelis, where presence and power converge in the kingdom. Praise welcomes the presence of God, and His presence is the entry point, the access to the power of God, which is the present reality of the kingdom. Let me explain it in mathematical terms. It's called the transitive law. It's an algebraic equation that all of you will understand. Even if you haven't, al haven't had algebra, you're going to get this. It's just that easy. I'm, Jeff, you're a math teacher, aren't you? Yeah. So here it is. If A equals B and B equals C, what's the solution? <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> yes, you're wanting to tell me. Tell me. 
A equals C. It's already up there. <laughs> so let's use different words now. Can I move? <laughs> Can you put that last slide back up? If A is praise and B is presence, because you see praise is the access. It ushers in the presence of God. And if B, the presence of God, leads you to the power of God, then what does praise do? A equals C. Praise becomes an entry point or an access point to unleash the power of God. And that's what we were talking about last week when we, our text, one of our passages was Matthew eleven twelve, 12. From the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven has been forcefully advancing and forceful men lay hold of it. Listen, the kingdom of God uh, isn't soft and tame and uh, cuddly and comfortable and just uh, do nothing, say nothing, just go to church, uh, just, just be a quiet Christian. You know, that's not what the kingdom of God is about. The kingdom of God advances forcefully, violently, this is what Pastor Jack Hayford says. He says, the kingdom of God makes its penetration by a kind of violent entry as opposed to the human status quo. The kingdom of God refuses to dance to the music of traditional church, of institutional religion, of entertaining, of liturgy, of sophistication, of intellectualism. No, the kingdom of God moves forward by childlikeness, childlike faith, childlike praise, and there are so many times the Lord refers to that in scriptures like Matthew eleven twenty five. Jesus said, I praise you, Father, because you've hidden these things from the wise and the learned and you've revealed them unto little children. Or how about Matthew eighteen three? Jesus said, unless you change and become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of God. That, we talked about that last week and I kept emphasizing the word never. I don't like it when Scripture has the word cannot, not, or never. You know, except a man be born again, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. I would prefer it wasn't that way. Without peace and holiness, no man can see the Lord. Those are passages I've learned that I've just memorized. They're coming to me right now. They're not in my text right here. But here's an example. There's a lot of discipleship verses, by the way, that have the word cannot in them, and they'll scare you to death. <laughs> I praise you, Father, because you've hidden these things from the wise and the learned, revealed them unto children. And in 18.3, Jesus said, unless you change and become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom. Remember we showed you the little video of Lila? How old is she? Twelve, maybe, in that area. And her mom, Nikki, caught her with her hands lifted, dancing and praising the Lord in her bedroom. Brought many of us to tears as we watched that. Or we told you the story last week about autumn, autumn dance in the wind, the autumn leaves, and the Down syndrome girl that uh, the mom was too sophisticated. She said, I'll probably never dance like that. Praising God until his presence comes creates an atmosphere where strongholds are broken, where darkness gives way to light, and where heaven opens to earth, where the kingdom of God manifests itself in power. I love Matthew 20, 12, 28. It says, Jesus said, if I drive out demons by the Spirit of God, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. 
See, that's power displayed in the kingdom. If I drive out demons by the Spirit of God, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. Praise changes the atmosphere. It changes the atmosphere in your house, in your car, in your workplace, in your church. Praise changes the atmosphere like the oil or the spikenard that Mary poured on the feet of Jesus and then wiped his feet with the hair. And the Bible says the fragrance of it filled the house. Have you ever heard of Catherine Kuhlman? Uh, Catherine Kuhlman was a well-known healing evangelist of the mid-20th century. She was known as a woman of God's presence. Not long before she passed away, I had a, the privilege as a young man in my 20s to go to Los Angeles, at Angeles Temple, and hear her preach. And I saw personally with my own eyes what so many people had written about, talked about, and what she in her own, in her own words, in her own writing said. Let me read what she wrote. She wrote this, when the power of the Spirit is in our meetings, and they were massive meetings, when the power of the Spirit was in our meetings, miracles always happened. I discovered that certain things brought the presence of the Holy Spirit. For instance, praise, not asking for a single thing, just praising God. It always brought God's presence and the power. And she goes on and says, the greatest miracles in our meetings transpire in worship as the Holy Spirit sovereignly moves through the congregation. She says, no one needs to be touched or even prayed for. It's just the presence of God that ushers in the power of the kingdom of God. I've seen this happen so many times. I was, uh, when I was the president of the Bible college, we had a student that was actually not a traditional student out of high school, but George was, um, Livesay was his last name, George I think was from Florida, as I recall. He was uh, United States Navy. He had already uh, completed his 20 years in the Navy, and he felt called to ministry, and so he came to Bible college. So he was older than the other students, and uh, he had the call of God on his heart. And the whole four years he was there, I knew George. He had this big hearing ear, hearing aid, you know, in his ear because he was just almost, he was so hearing impaired, he was almost deaf. And, you know, to hear people in chapel and to hear people in classes, he'd sit in the front and all that stuff. Well, he graduated, he became a pastor, he went to Colorado, and I was at a conference, an open Bible conference in Colorado. I was in this row, and George was one row ahead of me and over there, and we were just praising the Lord. We were just worshiping, and all of a sudden, I saw George go like that and grab his ear, and he ripped his hearing aid out because he was being blasted, and all of a sudden, I can hear, I can hear. He wasn't praying to be healed. He'd lived with this for years. But in worship, in praise, the power of God showed up, and he was healed. He was healed. We probably had something similar to that happen in this very place. Where's Susan? Susan, I don't remember, a year ago or more, Susan, uh, Susan Becker uh, was in the service. I remember I was preaching on the God who answers by fire. And I was talking about the miracles and the, the power of God and how we are keepers of the flame. And it's our responsibility to keep the flame of the Spirit alive uh, in our own life and around us, to change the atmosphere around us. And, and I called people forward to pray for them to be healed. Susan did not come forward to be healed. Susan was sitting in the back. And, 
and uh, she works with animals, and she'd had a shoulder that was locked up, and she couldn't get it any higher than, than this right here. And she'd been that way for several, maybe six to nine months, as I recall. And uh, it just, she hadn't gone for surgery. I hadn't figured that out, but she didn't go for surgery. She'd been to a chiropractor. She'd been to an osteopath, at least a couple, three different medical professionals. And she was just sort of living with this pain and this thing. And she worked with animals, and that was difficult to do. And she was back there, and we were worshiping the Lord and praying for people. And she just lifted her hands to worship the Lord and wasn't even thinking about it. And in the presence of God, in the presence of God, her arm unlocked after six to nine months. And instantly, and I remember she was more shocked than anybody. Isn't that right? More shocked than anybody. I'm healed. I'm healed. That's what the presence of God, it's amazing how the kingdom of God and the power of God breaks in during corporate praise and worship. So that's the last two weeks in quick review. And um, we want to transition now to begin talking about the Holy Spirit, the vision for the church, uh, this majestic vision we have. What, you know, why do we do church? What's the end game? Uh, it's to demonstrate the kingdom of God and its power on earth so that all things around us can be reconciled back to God. We have authority through Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit to change the atmosphere around us. Like Paul and Silas did in that prison in Acts 16. When it says they were severely flogged, you know, the flesh on their backs were torn open. They were bleeding. They weren't in prison. They were in the inner prison. Their feet were in stocks. And it was midnight, and they began to sing and pray and praise God. And in the midst of that praise and that prayer, the earth began to shake. The stalks were loose. And I love this because this happens many times in Bibles. It's when the person in charge, uh, I'm going to, in this case, it was the jailer, when the jailer bows down to the prisoner. I love that. That's what happened with Joseph, too. You know, that's what happened to Daniel. You know, Daniel's a prisoner, and Nebuchadnezzar bows down to Daniel and to Daniel's God. And here we have a situation where the jailer bows down. He thinks he's going to have to kill himself because these guys and the other prisoners have all escaped, and they're free. And the reality was they stayed there, and they said, don't harm yourself. Don't harm yourself. And the whole atmosphere, this, he was healed, his whole house. He was saved, his whole house was saved, the Bible says. He changed, it's like a pebble in water. And the consecutive concentric circles just move out and move out. I had this experience um, when the Lord, much to my chagrin, I will say, called me out of ministry for 18 years and put me in the um, corporate business world in Wichita, Kansas. And I started out with the Sheridan-Williams Corporation, and I was hired to be an assistant manager for a, um, a branch that was located in a strip mall. It's called Rogers Paint. And... I'll never forget the first or second week I was there, the big boss whom I had never met after I was hired came up from Oklahoma City, and he said, Farmer, I want to talk to you. And he took me back to the back end of the store where customers don't go. And while I don't remember that he specifically shoved me against the wall, what I do remember is he got in my face like a, like a sergeant would get in the face of a, of a buck recruit, you know, at, at a basic training camp. 
And he looked me in the face. He said, I've seen your resume, and I know they hired you here. But he said, you keep your religion to yourself. He said, don't you ever talk about Jesus to any of our customers, to any of our staff, or any of our vendors. We don't want that. Do you understand me, farmer? <laughs> yes, sir. I understand you. He saw my resume that I'd been in full-time ministry in Ventura, California, graduated from a Bible college. My degree was in theology and Bible. And uh, I determined at that point in time that the Holy Spirit in me was going to change the atmosphere of that entire branch. And not only of that branch, but even farther out. I stayed with Sherwin-Williams for seven years. During that time... I saw God do such amazing things. I, I didn't do what he told me to do. Um, but I knew that I had to perform with excellence and integrity. And I did that. I performed with excellence and with integrity. I received more promotions. I, finally, they said, you're going to have to relocate and go to another state if you want this next promotion. And I turned it down because I was planning a church by that time. And so I didn't go. But we, I won sales, I, I say and I, we won sales awards, the Holy Spirit and I, Christ in me, the hope of glory, the kingdom of God, the power of the kingdom. We won sales awards. We won credit and accounting awards. We won uh, accounts receivable control awards. We received promotions. And eventually, the entire Gulf Southwestern region, 11 states of the United States, uh, I was lifted up as the premier employee in the world of credit and accounting for the Sherwin-Williams Corporation. I still have the plaque. I don't ever talk about it that I think of. I don't even know that my kids know anything about that. But it was Christ changing the atmosphere by the power of the Spirit around me. One of our branch managers was a retiree from the United States Navy, and he cussed like a sailor. He didn't just cuss. He swore like a sailor. And uh, one time the Holy Spirit... It, it just, I didn't plan it. I normally would have taken him aside and talked to him in private. And the Spirit of God just rose up in me. And I said, Johnny, you have a filthy mouth. I said, Johnny, quit denigrating my Savior and Lord Jesus Christ and quit cursing my God. He loves you like he loves me. And it doesn't do any of us any good. I worked with him for several more years. He never once said another word around me or on our branch premises about anything like that. It's just it, the Spirit of God, the power of God changes the atmosphere that is around us. Um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bring this to a conclusion because I'm not going to be able to finish this morning. But where I'm going to be heading is to talk to you about the Holy Spirit and how the Holy Spirit empowers and equips and endues believers to change the atmosphere around them by the power of the kingdom. This is something that is not reserved for people that are ordained to ministry or that pastor churches. This is something that is available to all believers and all disciples of Jesus Christ and is something you should expect and anticipate on a regular basis. I'm thinking about the board and Pastor Chris as this afternoon at 5 o'clock they start going through resumes. And what a, 
sober. I don't know if that's the right word. What an important, what a critical, what a critical moment that is in the kingdom of God. I love Pastor Chris's vision uh, as he planted this church. You know, we think that it's our job to build a big church when we're in ministry. It's not our job to build a big church. Bill Hybels at Willow Creek tried to build a big church. Uh, he did, over 20,000 people uh, in Chicago. They have 155 acres now. Their auditorium seats 7,000 people. But I commend them for the courage they had to do what was called the reveal study. Did it several years ago. And as they were with their full orchestra and their full drama troupe, as they're attracting people to church, they did a reveal study to see how many disciples they were making. And when the results came back, and I also commend them because they made it public, and that took courage. The results came back, and they said, we're getting decisions. We're not making disciples. Now, Jesus changed the world in two years with 12 disciples. Willow Creek hasn't changed Chicago in 20 years with tens of thousands of people coming to church. It's not about building a big church. It's about creating disciples that are empowered by the Spirit, that know how to keep in step with the Spirit, walk in the Spirit, hear the nudgings and the promptings and the giftings and the anointings of the Spirit and to flow in those in obedience so that we have packed those around us. And then when the church starts to grow, and it will grow, it will grow. When it starts to grow, then by God's grace, you have the courage to hive off a group, a core group, and you mother a baby church in another community somewhere else. And the whole process starts all over again. And that's how the kingdom of God spreads and expands. Father, in Jesus' name. Allie, I wonder if we could just close with that, that chorus. Maybe the rest of the worship team can come up with her. I kept thinking about how the atmosphere changes around us when we're walking in the kingdom of God and experiencing the power of God by his praise and his presence. And I just concluded that the atmosphere changes. I've seen it happen in corporations. I've seen it happen in homes. Obviously, we've all seen it happen in individual lives. We're going to share an exciting testimony next Sunday. I'm not going to share it. Bill's going to share an exciting testimony that he submitted in writing. Wow, talk about change. God changing Let's stand together, shall we? The kingdom of God is not a matter of talk, but of power. And choosing a new lead pastor, the vision at Celebration Center, should really be that this is a center of celebration, where childlike praise and worship becomes, welcomes the presence of God, which releases the kingdom power to transform people and neighborhoods in our community. And when the church grows... We'll have the courage and the vision to identify a core group of disciples that we can send out to plant a new baby church where another neighborhood and another community can be transformed by the presence and the power of God. Holy Spirit, we welcome you in this place in a fresh way, in a new way. For Lord, what is impossible with men is possible with you. We embrace the command to be filled with the Spirit and to walk in kingdom power. And we pray for Pastor Chris and the board as they meet together that you will 
Give them harmony and unity, agreement of spirit that they'll discern the individual, the couple, the family that you're calling the pastor here in Puyallup. You've already prepared them. They're already equipped. They've walked a journey that has literally equipped them and prepared them to serve in this role. And we're excited, Lord, for what you're about to do and what's about to happen in us, Lord, as we are transformed by the power of your Spirit. Beloved, go with God today. The Lord is with you. The Lord keep you. The Lord bless you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. And the Lord fill you with peace. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. So be it. God bless you. You're dismissed.